Hi, guys. Welcome to the Talk to Rachel podcast, your British English podcast in Brazil, created for English learners who want to learn more about British culture and the English language whilst you're practicing your English listening skills. You can find out more about me and my social media platforms at www.talktorachel.com.br. This is a 100% English podcast. The transcript of this podcast is available on my website, where you can also leave comments and suggestions. Remember to also leave your review and to rate my podcast here on your podcast platform. That way, more people can talk to Rachel. Now let's get on with today's episode. So my guest today is Claudia Rant. She is a Brazilian-born English teacher, linguist, who lives in the UK but is currently in Brazil. Claudia grew up in Petropolis in Rio de Janeiro and has not one but two degrees, one in industrial design and another in letras, which is a license to teach English accredited by the Ministry of Education here in Brazil. She has been teaching English for over 24 years now and has students all over the world. She has taught both Brazilians and international students in schools and online. Claudia is also a CELTA grade A holder, and she has an MA in Applied Linguistics for Language Teaching, which she got from the University of Southampton in the United Kingdom. In 2011, Claudia moved to my home country one year after I did the exact opposite, where she joined her husband, who is British. Claudia is clearly passionate about teaching and has contributed greatly with her tips and advice on social media during the pandemic, which is actually where I met her. If you follow Claudia on social media, you will also see that she also loves reading, cycling and running in her free time. Claudia believes that it's nice to be nice, something that I think is greatly underrated in the world today, and that every day is a school day, which is definitely true for any language teacher or learner. So I'd like to say a very big welcome to Claudia and thank her for coming on to the podcast today. Hello, Claudia. Thank you for coming. Hello, Rachel. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Claudia, you've lived in England now for over almost over a decade What was it like when you first moved over? What did you do to prepare to go? Or was it just you decided and then you went? It was, uh, well, because I was dating my my, um, then boyfriend, now my husband. And I was talking to my sister the other day. It was like December 2010. And we decided to, okay, we cannot have this long-term, long-distance relationship anymore. We have to sort things out. I was... 33, 34, he was, he is 10 years older than me. And we, we thought, well, this is ridiculous. So we literally, we put it down like Rio, Sao Paulo, because he's crazy about Sao Paulo and so am I, and the UK. So we kind of, um, we just put everything together and decided, well, language was a barrier for him because it's, I think it was a similar for you because I know that you learned your Portuguese in Brazil. That was really brave of you. <laughs> I don't think I would have been able to do that. But <laughs> and uh, English teachers, we can work anywhere. If uh, if you are an English English teacher that you know that you're doing and you know that you can contribute somehow, 
I told him, I know I can, I can find job a job in, in the UK. And that's how, how we decided, basically. It was December 2010, and then we decided to, to check the paperwork that uh, I needed to move to the UK, which was another overwhelming kind of uh, situation because I had to go through lots of different kinds of visas, uh, fiancé visa, and then... And it's we a had really to- long process, yeah. Yeah, I was going to join him as his girlfriend, as his partner, but then we had to get married. It was not something romantic at all, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but it worked out in the end. Yes. <laughs> well, when I moved to Brazil, I had the same problem. They said, uh, get married and then you'll uh, have a visa. And it's slightly easier here than in the UK if you get married. But I had only known Antonio for one year when I moved to Brazil. And I said to him, I was 23. And I said to him, I don't want to get married yet. You know, I know I like I I love you, but, you know, I'm pretty sure I only want to get married once in my life. So I'm not marrying you yet. And that's when we did the whole stable union visa here but it was a very complicated process and you have to send photos and and witness statements that you really are a couple and the process here was uh, very bureaucratic but that was my first experience of brazilian bureaucracy and and so i, I was it was good in a way because <laughs> i apologize <laughs> but i have the uk is a long process too it is because I, I we did try to go through the civil partnership um, route, but back then in 2010, 11, it was just allowed for gay couples. So if you were a straight couple, you it was the only way for me to be there over six months was to get married. So they gave me, oh, I applied for a fiancé visa, which is, it gives you six months. You have to get married within six months of arrival. No pressure. Wow, no pressure. <laughs> Yeah, but and then, yeah, I moved to the UK in July 2011. But uh, I don't know, I think you know, my husband, uh, he's a seafarer. So he works away a lot. So back then he was doing three months on three months off. So he was offshore. And um, he spent a month with me in the UK. And I couldn't work because of the visa back then the fiance visa didn't allow me to do any kind of work, not even volunteer work. And then after a month, he went to sea and I was alone for three months planning the whole wedding. <laughs> wow. That's like a real baptism of fire. You move to a foreign country and then you're by yourself with no with no yeah. husband. He's gone working and you're you're at home. So it's it, it, it must have been a period of. Did you have moments where you're like, what was I what am I doing? Did you, yes, did you feel I, that? I mean, Yes, and I think it's important to to say these things because people think it's a bed of roses when you move abroad and it's like you're living the dream. And I went there for love. I had someone there already. I wasn't on my own, but I didn't have any any childhood friends. I didn't have any family members, just like you. But and I was literally alone because although we've got uh, um, the internet nowadays, we're talking about ten years ago. We didn't have that uh, um, many tools to be in touch and he was at sea so he didn't have a very good connection either um yeah but i had to kind of um, i said oh i i can't stay home okay i cannot find work right now because i'm not allowed to work so i need to do something and to start to 
making friends uh, uh, myself. So I joined um, an Italian course. I said I can study for like once a week. And that's when I start meeting people. And I also joined um, Weight Watchers because I used to be a, a Weight Watchers uh, member in, the, in, in Brazil a long time ago. But I thought, I thought, well, I'm getting married. I need to be in shape. Um, why not join a meeting? And that's when I started making friends and it helped big time. Which I think is uh, really what a really good piece of advice that you have to be proactive. You know, if you if you move abroad, you are automatically removing yourself from your social security of having family and friends and people you went to school with and university with. And now you are back to square one. Yeah, you have to start everything again. And and it's really hard to make, I found it very hard to make friends as an adult. You know, I was, you know, I had a lot of school friends and I had lots of family friends and I have a big family. And I found it very difficult to to be able to make those friends again and have that, you know, I had people I knew, but I didn't feel the the, you know, that kind of connection where you could really talk to them. Oh, you know, I'm having a bad day. You know, normally it was just like, hi, how are you? We have to be happy, you know, and, and that's not real friendship, you know, and it takes yeah. time. And I, I think what you did was exactly that integrating yourself into the society. And I, and I kept talking to myself, telling myself, you left Brazil, so you are in their home. So make it your home because I know, and I've heard of lots of stories and I know people who leave Brazil and they want to carry on doing or behaving the same way uh, like they did when they were in their home countries. And I thought, well, I, and it was hard. It was not easy because I must, um, I must admit we have a lot of, and I can say that because I am Brazilian and I, <laughs> people might think, oh yeah, you don't know what you're saying, but from experience, I know that there's a lot of prejudice in Brazil. And even though I came from Rio, okay, it's a small city in Rio, Petropolis. I didn't have much contact with foreigners in Brazil for in 35 years, the contact I had were my bosses when I um, taught at an English school. I had a Canadian boss, uh, one from New York, and that was it. So, and then when I moved to the UK, I thought that British, they are much more open to foreigners, maybe because of the geography of the place. And they are fascinated, especially if you speak English, they are like, oh, wow, look at you, you're here in my country, putting the effort in. Talk, speaking to me in my own language and and I thought they were very very open and I said oh why not take advantage of that openness and make friends and take the risk because you're speaking in a second language in a, in social situations it's not the same as being in a classroom or you know having a teacher with you it is or even studying the language uh, at university once you're in a social situation surrounded by people from another culture speaking another language you have there's a lot more work to do there i think and and that makes it that little bit more little bit more difficult but i think that's the best thing that you Absolutely. could have done Yes, absolutely. Because even though I'd been teaching for 15 years back then, we don't know everything all the time. And I studied at a British English school in Brazil, and then I worked for an American school. So I, I had a little bit of both kinds of um, vocabulary, or I knew a little bit of uh, British English, but then you don't have the cultural awareness. Okay, I had my boyfriend, but he was just one person. 
So the jokes or, or what they mean when they are saying th things like, uh, um, oh, yeah, this coffee is a bit funny. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I didn't hear that before. So <laughs> <laughs> why is it funny? <laughs> why is it funny? This is not funny. I'm not laughing. <laughs> and um, yeah, but it was um, interesting and a learning curve and I still learn a lot from my friends in the UK, my neighbors and I, I face, I used to face and I still do every day when I made friends or talk to people as a lesson because we don't know everything in our own language. I don't know everything in Portuguese. Every day I learn something even in my own language on how to use something or a new expression here and there and it's the same. That's how I face it till today and I think it's been working. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's definitely, I think it's, we, that's the whole idea of, of you saying, you know, every day is a school day because we learn ev every day, even if we're at home, we're not being, having contact with people, we're still learning. And I think that it's, it's really important that people see this idea of language learning, especially not a final destination, you know, that there is, we're on a journey for the rest of our lives. There is no moment where you're like, okay, I'm done now. English is perfect let's move on you know it's it's something forever and I used to be hard on myself for being an English teacher because in Brazil English teachers well the the way we are in Brazil uh it's like oh we cannot make mistakes we have to be perfect at all times in class of course we are constantly being observed by our bosses okay it's the same in the UK because I taught at a language school there and well I'll say there because I'm in Brazil at the moment but um it's okay to make mistakes because it's fine and, and people make everyday mistakes, uh, natives, non-natives, and they appreciate the fact that you are speaking the language, you're conveying your message and off you go. Well, one of the, the pieces of advice that you, you sent to me is that you shouldn't be afraid of making mistakes and you should ask questions. And one of the things I think that's really important that you put is that never apologize for your English. This is something that I think Brazilians do automatically. I don't apologize for my Portuguese before I speak, speak start speaking. I know that I make mistakes, etc. But when I when I start talking, I, I just just speak in Portuguese, but that Brazilians have this idea that they're not going, they're going to make mistakes. So they're going to apologize before they start. Lots of my students say, oh, sorry for my English. And then you're, then they start. And I'm like, well, why are you apologizing? The fact that you are trying to communicate in my native language is amazing. And, and you mentioned that in the UK, people were very receptive to the fact that you were trying. Yes, because um, it's, it, it's funny you say that because, um, when I got to the UK, people asked me, oh, how long have you been living here? And it was like just three weeks, a month. And I said, oh, and you speak very good English. And my English back then was extremely American, extremely. And I said, no, but I didn't learn my English in the UK. I learned all my English in, in Brazil. And I also apologize. I said, I'm really sorry. My English is more American. And they said, oh, don't apologize. Don't be silly. And, and it's something that we carry, Brazilians. We have this, some people call it a stray dog syndrome. I don't know if you've heard of it. That we yes. aim to please everyone. And we think that everything from outside or from abroad is better than us. You feel inferior to yes. other cultures, huh? Yes. And, uh, and I keep telling my students, I think that um, you shouldn't apologize if you make mistakes because we, we don't expect foreigners in Brazil to apologize for their Portuguese. Because if we can understand them, we think it's amazing that they are 
putting the effort in. Exactly. I get people every day saying, oh, I, you know, you speak really well. Amazing. Congratulations. They are always telling me this. Uh, and then you get Brazilians who speak English well or people, you know, even teachers. I have a lot of, of teachers who study with me because they don't feel confident, even though they've studied English for years. And and they automatically say, oh, my English isn't very good, you know, and and I find this very, uh, very sad to see that they have this such a, a low level of self-esteem when it comes to speaking a second language. When you think there are very few people around the world that do speak second languages, you know, I'm sure that, you know, in England, we are incredibly lazy when it comes to speaking second languages, you know, in my, at home. <laughs> in, in my, in my family, I have eight brothers and sisters, only one speaks a second language because he lives in Germany, but the rest of them, no one speaks a second language and it wouldn't even cross their minds to speak a second language. While Brazilians make the huge effort to study for years and, and they still say, my English isn't very good or sorry for my English. And, and it's very sad to see this, this, this idea that they think that they are inferior. And I think the, the um, opportunity to, not only maybe not only not just not just live abroad but maybe spend time with foreigners and i don't mean native speakers only other non-native speakers of english i think that would help um uh, eliminate that kind of feeling because i have friends who when, when i'm nearby they say oh i don't want to speak english next to you because you're a teacher and i says yeah but I'm, i don't work 24 7 i'm not going to correct you you've got to pay me to correct you <laughs> And uh, but then when they are next to me and talking to my husband, they they feel like, oh, I'm really sorry about my English, blah, blah, blah. But then they traveled. This friend of mine, she traveled to I think it was to China or somewhere uh, in the Far East. And she said, oh, I could really communicate. I'm really pleased with myself. And I says, I know that because the others there were also non-native speakers of English. So that you were literally on the so same boat. So that's and they were not comparing yourself. And I think the this idea of speaking to non-native English speakers also brings that idea of, we, you know, we are studying this language too. And, and also you see people that speak with much stronger accents than Brazilians, because Brazilians also have this complex about, you know, speak like a native or, you know, you're never going to speak like a native. You're not native, you know, you're not, you weren't born in Britain. So like you can improve your pronunciation, but you don't need to ignore the fact, eliminate the fact that you might have some kind of accent. And if you go to, for example, I used to have a, a student from India and, and from Japan, and, and they speak with a very strong accent. And they don't have this complex that, you know, you know, I have a very strong accent. It's just their accent. And and Brazilians know they, they say, you know, oh my goodness, I must make sure that I don't sound Brazilian when I speak English. And and I think it comes back to this idea of feeling like you're an inferior person because you come from come yes. from Brazil. Yes, and we are very quick to judge others just by their accents. And it's like, oh, look, like, um, oh, you can tell someone is from Brazil. Yeah, I can tell my friend is Italian. People in the UK, they can tell I'm not from the UK. And it's okay. It's charming. It's part of who I am. It's part of my identity, where I've been, where I'm going to. And um, 
And again, it's and people get mixed up with the accent and pronunciation. And I, I tell them, look, pronunciation is one thing. If you mispronounce a word and then that can uh, it can get you in trouble sometimes. But accent is it's going to follow you wherever you go. And it's something that I think that, you know, we have to see it as you're you're learning a second language you're you're gaining that that second language it is a second language it's not your first language and so you're always going to have some kind of baggage from your first language that impacts on your second language i'm always going to speak with an accent you know and and my students say oh you know i i really want to speak like you you know and i say to them you know I think it's good to practice your pronunciation for communication purposes, because lots of uh, many times there are moments when it can make it difficult to, to understand if you mispronounce words or, you know, if, or actually even understand native speakers, because we are, uh, uh, we don't say words like they do in the classroom. You know, we, are, we yes. connect all our speech and it can sound incredibly hard to understand, but I don't go, I want to learn um, to speak like a karaoke or I want to learn to speak like a, a Palestinian, or if I learn a per, from a karaoke teacher, I won't understand someone from Sao Paulo. And this complex happens in, in English all the time. People say to me, I, I don't, I, I really like your content. I really like your lessons, but I, I think that if I learn with you, I won't understand Americans. And I find this remarkable. I've never heard this before I moved to Brazil. And again, like Rachel, so you couldn't travel to America, then you wouldn't understand them, right? <laughs> I'd be like, what are you saying? <laughs> yes. And, and in my, my case, people come to me and say, oh, but you teach British English. And I said, no, I don't teach British English because my English is not fully British. I've got the vocabulary. I've got my accent has shifted a little bit through the years. Of course, it's not something I chose to do, but it came naturally. But If you come to me, if a student comes to me, oh, because the company I work for, they demand American English. It says, oh, I'm sorry, but I don't buy it because I am an English teacher. This is my trade. This is my career. I did. Uh, I studied applied linguistics. So that's my job. And they don't. I don't have that demand. I was hired to teach English in the UK with my not so British English. It was more American back then. So I don't, I don't buy that when they say that. Me too. It's just a matter of prep. It's just a matter of preference, I suppose. It's uh, it's very it's something I think that happens because of the marketing of the English uh, language industry in the UK, where it's very polarized. You know, with this idea of. Uh, having an accent and also this idea of British English is totally different from American English. And they ignore the fact that English is actually spoken by many more countries than my country in America. I think it's very funny. I was like, have you tried to listen to maybe South African, Australian, New Zealand, Indian? And they're like, oh, yeah, they speak English, too. You know, like, what uh, it? What is British English? You live in an area in England which has one accent. You can go, you know, 100 miles, have a completely different accent. Exactly. And I, I live in, in the in the very south and um, uh, it's near Southampton. I used to work in Southampton. And uh, after a few months working in Southampton with the uh, other uh, native uh, English teachers, came home one day and my husband said, you sound so you sound like the uh, Southampton people now because of your accent, because you kind of it rubs off on you. Yeah, definitely. But he could, he could tell the difference and I couldn't back then. I said, oh, I couldn't tell the difference. And the same thing happened in reverse because I know I've got a carioca quote, right? Carioca mm -hmm. accent. But 
it's not exactly like a Rio de Janeiro accent because my accent's from the mountains. And I only realized how different my accent in Portuguese is once I moved to the UK and I start uh, watching podcasts or what, listening to podcasts, watching live videos from people from Rio. And I said, oh my God, they have a strong accent, very heavy. And I said, I don't think my, my accent in Portuguese is that, that strong. It's because I come from another area and I didn't realize that when I was in Brazil. Yeah, and this idea of Brazilians comparing accents when they they themselves have their, you know, Brazil is full of accents, you know, and and I tell them all, I told them that I went to Bahia a couple of years ago before the pandemic and I had to pay more attention because they have a lot of slang words and they they speak a little bit quicker, I found. But no moment did I say, oh, I'm in Bahia, won't understand anything that they say because I learned Portuguese in Sao Paulo, you know, and, and I use exactly. this as an example and they're like, oh yeah, it's true, but it's different because it's Portuguese. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not, it's the same, you know, the language is global. Yes, and it's something. It's all about exposure. If you ha if you are exposed to different accents, like when one of my visas, uh, I had to call an office in Liverpool, and I had been living in the UK for five years, and I thought, oh, I think I'm quite adapted to the accents here. But then it was a phone call, and it was a Scouse accent, and I was like, oh my god, now I have to pay attention, hold my breath. <laughs> That's a difficult accent. I think the Scouse is probably one of the most difficult accents, even for the Scouse and the Scottish, I have to pay attention. Yeah, especially from Glasgow, because I've got friends from Glasgow and I had that phone call for, uh, to Liverpool and I, and I thought, okay, that was hard, but I got by, so it's fine. You can still understand it. Just put the effort in and, okay, don't worry, give it five minutes and then you'll be fine. Yeah, and also I think this idea, it's okay to say, what was it that you were trying to explain? Or could you could you repeat that? That, you know, it's not a bad thing to not be able to the whole time. We do this all the time in our native languages, you know, uh, this idea of maybe misinterpreting what someone said, et cetera. But when we are learning our second language, we are much more critical. Uh? Yes. Uh, yeah. One of the pieces of advice that you gave was that um, living abroad doesn't automatically make you fluent. And I think that this is incredibly true because I went through this and and you probably see this a lot with with your students, their idea that if they move to England or America, some magic spell is going to happen, that actually hard work and, and dedication is involved. Do you, is it something that you think that is quite a strong theme in, in, in for English language learners, this idea that you have to live abroad? Yes, there is a kind of, um, uh, I think it's uh, the um, misconception of, uh, okay, I only learn, I will only, because my husband thinks like that. He thinks oh, I'll only learn Portuguese once I'm in Brazil. And I said, I tell him over and over and over. I said, look, I didn't learn my English in Brazil. You don't have to be in that country to learn their language. But I say that with, uh, with different examples to give you. In When I was teaching in Southampton in a school to international students, and um, there were families there, like Saudi families or, or Spanish friends that traveled to the UK during the summertime to learn English. They spent a month there. And they would speak English in the classroom from 9 to 12, from Monday to Friday. But once they finished their lessons, they came back to their own bubble and they would, would speak Arabic within each other or Spanish within each other. And they would go out and enjoy themselves, go to the pubs, but they would still go back to their first language. And I told them, look, if I do the same, it happens to me. If I am reading something in Portuguese 
and somebody is speaking English around me, I completely block them off because I cannot think in two languages at the same time. Maybe I can, but I, I, I don't pay attention to that. And it's the, uh, the same thing in reverse. Once I am speaking English, if somebody is speaking Portuguese behind me, I wouldn't listen. I won't listen because I'm concentrated and I'm, I'm switched to English in my brain. And uh, with my sister, she told me something very, very interesting because she lived in the States for a couple of years. And for the first year, she wasn't allowed to work. And she was looking after her children. Her husband was away uh, at work. And she said, I only spoke English to the till lady at the supermarket today because she didn't have a routine and going out or making friends. That's when she realized, oh, and she is an English teacher. She didn't need to learn the language, but she wanted to practice. And she was finding it hard because she didn't have like a circle of friends or she wasn't going anywhere or meeting new people in order to practice. And I think this idea of it, just because you're in a country, it's not going to be automatically you're going to be walking down the street and speaking the language the whole time. You know, I, I say this actually to, to my husband, that my Portuguese has become very limited um, and I have to literally start to listen more to podcasts, read more Portuguese because my everyday Portuguese is okay now, but that's everyday language. You know, I go to work and there's not very many different situations that happen during my week. And then you start to realize that actually what makes you fluent and what makes you um, able to communicate well in a language is so much more than just an everyday conversation with somebody that, because you're living in that country. And I learned Portuguese only after I realized that fluency and, and, and being able to communicate involves a lot more than just be like, okay, so I'm in Brazil, bring on the Portuguese, you know, yes. because it's so much more, so much more hard work. And this idea that you say dedication, I think is the key because there is no way you can learn a language unless you really put the effort in. And it, it's so hard. It's not an easy thing to learn a language. And, and, and students think that they try to find the easy way. They try to find the shortcuts, you know, and they believe the propaganda and the marketing. And this is the easiest way. And the, But there is no easy way. It's like losing weight. You talked about Weight Watchers. The only way to lose weight is to stop eating as much and exercise. There is no other way to lose weight. But people still believe in the marketing, you know, and, and English language is the same thing thing it's a stepping out of your comfort zone and when people ask me so how long did it take you to become fluent and there's there are two sides to it because there is the fluency on paper that people give you a certificate and say oh you are a 2 b1 b2 whichever level and also the feeling you have because i only felt fluent like okay i can speak i can behave i know how to communicate i'm not going to die in a country i can work in an emergency after 5 years of studying and i am still learning i can i still tell people i still study because the language is something that's alive it's hybrid you you need to kind of uh, it keeps you on your toes it does <laughs> Definitely. Especially uh, like I, I would say that I, I've lived in Brazil now for more than 10 years and my vocabulary is from 10 years ago, you know, and now there's a whole new generation of British young people using lots of slang words, which I've never heard in my whole life, you know, and I have to study a lot of vocabulary that is the more 
more modern, recent way of using words. And people ask me, and I'm like, I've never heard of that. And it's because you, I don't have that everyday contact anymore in, in English. I don't have the, the, the young people around me. And I think that uh, it is incredibly important that people see that it's not, there is no finish, the start and finish point. You know, you have to be able to realize that there is going to be, for, it's going to be something you do forever. And even as a language teacher, you're constantly learning, even in your, your you know, for me, for me to teach English, I had to understand Portuguese grammar and, and vice versa. And, and this idea that you're going to stop thinking in Portuguese and turn on English and, and these things people believe, but there is no, there is no black and white in language learning. It's what fits you and your way of learning. It's the same with the diet. It Whatever works for you, if it works for you, you follow that line. If it works for you not thinking Portuguese, you follow that line. And I, and it's interesting because you said something about uh, your English. And I tell everyone here, oh, my Portuguese is stuck in 2011. But the <laughs> slang words I'm using nowadays, people say, oh, my God, this is so 2011. <laughs> Because I, I, it makes I, you sound I, old. Yes, yeah, the I same know. thing for me. <laughs> and, and they had to kind of, my nephews here, they are in their 20s. They said, no, oh, sit down, let me teach you a few new expressions here so you, people don't think like as if you got out of jail. Because when I <laughs> for the first time, I was like, oh my God, what is that? What, what do they ask? They ask questions about what's pics? I don't know, fazer um pics, what's that? <laughs> But there are lots of uh, modern terms that this is what you were saying, you know, language is constantly evolving. We must make sure that we are trying to keep up with it. But it's definitely when I go over, I go every year to, to England at Christmas. And every time I go over, I'm talking with my sister and she's like, you sound like you're a hundred. You really need to stop saying these <laughs> words, you know. And she says, no, people say this and they do this. And I remember like when we have pics now in Brazil, but I remember when I went over at Christmas, when uh, the, they started using the credit cards where you didn't have to get near, you didn't have to put your pin number in. You yeah, just need to get near. Yeah, contactless. Yeah. And I looked at it. I, 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 that was the moment that I realized that I didn't live in the UK because I saw my sister doing it. And I was just like, what is that? How do you do that? Isn't it dangerous? You know, <laughs> I was like, all these things came into my mind, like, oh my goodness, people could steal your money this way, you know? Uh, and my sister was like, no, it's perfectly safe. They don't have it in Brazil. And I was like, no, they don't have this in Brazil. And it's when I realized I was a foreigner. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm a foreigner in my own country because um, when I went out, I had to quarantine for two weeks here when I got here, that was in September. And then I went out for the first time and I was paying for something and they asked me really quick in Portuguese if it was CPF na nota, but they didn't say it like this. They said CPF na nota. And I was like, what are they asking me? And I said, I'm really <laughs> sorry. Can you repeat? CPF na nota. I said, I don't know what it is. And, and they looked at me like, where have you been? <laughs> Did you just come from another planet? You know, yeah, Probably. Exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the things that you, you said about the advice was this idea of being tolerant of other people and their customs and traditions and to not jump to conclusions. I think this is in, incredibly important, not just for people who go and live abroad, but also this idea of Brazilians feel that they are inferior. I see a lot of uh, Brazilians... They, I have Brazilian friends in London that don't say they are Brazilian. They say they are South American because they think that Brazil has um, a very negative image 
outside of Brazil, because obviously the, the bad news travels faster than the good news here. Um, and do you think that it's it's there is a lot of preconception about Brazilians in the UK? Have you seen any of this? Uh, or do you think that there's, you know, that, that it depends on the area that people are in? It's it's uh, funny you ask me that because I think my husband kind of protected me a lot when I first arrived. Uh, I had to um, when I first arrived in the UK, I had to register um, with the police within seven days of arrival, and I had to go to Winchester headquarters. And he was kind of talking to me like, "Listen, if they don't treat you very well, don't worry, it's not you. It might be where you come from because of South Americans in general or foreigners in general. But please." please don't take it personal and I said okay and I was kind of a, a bit apprehensive but it's interesting because it is a, a two-edged sword there because the better English you speak the better some will treat you uh, not all because they do appreciate if you put the effort in even if your English is kind of broken they say oh don't worry about your English you don't have to apologize but when you have to it's when you say you are fluent in a language, but you know which situations or how to gauge your language according to the situation. So I knew I was going to a police headquarters. It was something serious and I couldn't be too casual. And I had to and I, I, I kind of uh, paid back by speaking properly. So I didn't use slang words or. My everyday English. I was kind of careful with my language there. Uh, I think you're frozen. Hello? Oh, I can't hear. I can't see you now. Can you hear me? I can't hear you, Claudia. Okay. Can okay, you hear I me now? We, I kind of yes. Where did you Where did you stop? Uh, so when you went to the when you went to the police station. Sorry, okay. I think the internet went down. Yes. Um, okay. I think it's my end anyway. So um, I had to go to uh, the police headquarters, but I I kept that in mind. Okay, they might be a bit harsh because I'm a foreigner. Because and in my case, I was applying to live in the country so I had to prove myself like that I'm good enough for this country so I thought to myself well I don't want them to be rude to me not they were going to be but I just want to show them that I am smart because sometimes people think and in both ways Brazilians when foreigners uh, try to speak English and also if you speak broken English people think you are You've got lack of intelligence, and it's got nothing to do with intelligence. It's just the your learning process, your, your learning path. So I kind of gauged my language to speak proper English. When I say proper English, it's not the English that is not the everyday English. I tried not formal to use English. Yes. So I was kind of uh, pleased to meet you, sir. And I, I went back to my classroom English with a little bit more knowledge, showing him that I knew what I was doing. I was high five in the policeman at the end of the interview. Oh wow! <laughs> My so husband was really like, well. he was, 
Yeah, he was uh, he was in awe and he was like, I've never seen such thing. And I said, it's because we need to know uh, how to behave in different situations. And again, it's like what you said about the everyday Portuguese that you are fluent in. And then you need to kind of, okay, now what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Where do I go from here? It's knowing how to talk to a child, how to talk to a teenager and how to talk to an elderly person. And having those formal situations like job interviews and things like that, you need to be able to have the the capacity to manipulate the language to the to, to fit the situation. Right? Yes. One of the things that you you did, I I, I think that you did, is a, a to get a visa, etc. Did you have to do some kind of English exam or English culture exam? I, I've heard some people say that they have to do this, and I think it's remarkable. I, I didn't have to do any Brazilian culture exam. <laughs> uh, I, I went. That's why I think I spoke to you once that we had. Um, I, we have to prove ourselves all the time, uh, Brazilians. I'm speaking like I don't cannot speak for other nationalities, but Brazilians in the UK, at least, that's my experience. We had I had to do a life in the UK test, which used to be not only a general knowledge, but also a language test, B1 English. But nowadays you have to do um, both the life in the UK test and prove that you can speak the language uh, presenting another kind of certificate. And this life in the UK test, it tests your general knowledge of geography, all about the UK, geography, history, uh, sports entertainment and uh, back then because i got married in january 2012 um i did this test after having lived there for three years only okay wow. the language yeah the language was not a problem but the questions like sports was like who was the partner or of such and such you probably know the answer even if i don't give you the name uh, in ice skating in 1960 something it was uh, a couple uh, Torval and jean uh -huh. Torval that's and jean. right that's yeah. right and i was like 1966 i was born in 76 <laughs> that's really so, difficult Yes. And what is the Magna Carta? And of course, the kings and queens like a king such and such in Scotland was which king in, in, in England? Because you have. OK, you did political science, so you will. Yeah. Know, but but did they did they give you a book to study yes. or you? OK, yes. you can you can go to W.H. Smith or Waterstones and there is a book that you can study from. And I did lots of mock tests because the, I think if I'm not mistaken, there are. 50 questions and you have ah. you have to get I don't know how many right but lots but you can take it as many times as you need but it's not a cheap test it's like back then it was 50 62 pounds or 50 pounds something like that but no it it's really it's incredible it's a bit like uh the driving theory tests that they do you know where you have to like know all the the rules and the fines and the amount that points that you're going to get. And, and you never, you, you forget it after, but it's very strange. This idea of having to, like, I understand that they're trying to encourage people to, to, to understand the culture, but I think, you know, understanding random facts about the UK maybe is not the best way of, of in teaching someone to integrate themselves into society. You know, I think maybe that doesn't really give them any more skills than, you know, you just have to know these facts, then you can pass the exam. Do you think it's a, 
do you think it's a useful thing for people to do or do you think it's it's just some money making thing that they do I think, I think it's it's a bit of both because now 10 years later i still remember what i studied and i know why it's important to know these things because i go to places and i i talk to people and they talk about the past and i say oh i studied that that's in, in, important because that's interesting but maybe because it's i mean the uk compared to brazil it's such a small place and that's why people know so much because if you ask me about brazilian history i know the basics because it's a lot and it's a very big country And um, and then I watch TV programs when they talk about sports in the past. And I watched that um, uh, fantastic film, Eddie the Eagle. And uh -huh. um, Bernie said to me, oh, you should watch it. It's fantastic. It's a very nice story. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it reminded me of when I studied for the Life in the UK test. But of course, I think it was too soon for me back then. Now I think they changed it for five years living in the UK. But again, it goes back to if you are inserted in the culture, if you're not with your Brazilian friends all the time, it's going to be easier for you. So that's yeah. what happened. I was surrounded by British uh, people. And um, that's why it was okay for me to do that test back then. But if you just study enough to pass the test, it's going to be hard. What do you think of the, you know, you've lived there for a decade now. Are there Are we such different people from Brazilian people? Do you think that your the culture is so radically different? And are you know Brazilian people have a, you know a very a very clear idea that British people are very formal, that we sit down for afternoon tea, that we are never late, which I find is a huge pressure to have because you know sometimes things make you late, and people are like, but she's British, how's she late? <laughs> You know, uh, there are some some funny differences and uh, it's funny because now I'm bringing these differences to Brazil. Like I because Brazilians, they apologize for their English. The British, they apologize for everything else. Like <laughs> if, if, for example, if I step on your foot, you are going to apologize for your foot being under mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's something I kind of uh, ad adopted because I went to the um, doctors here and to the opticians and I, I kept apologizing. Oh, I'm really sorry. My eyes are really what I'm really sorry. Says, Don't apologize. Why are you apologizing? It's okay. <laughs> But we say sorry a lot. Uh, yes. Yes. But again, it comes from how polite everyone is. And in general, of course, we've got polite Brazilians here in Brazil. And I, I believe I am a polite person and people confuse being informal be, to being impolite. And that's not the point. But that was the first thing that um, that caught my attention, how polite everyone is, how respectful and tolerant of people's cultures and differences in the UK compared to Brazilians. Like I said before, I come from Rio, but I didn't have much contact with foreigners when I was younger. And in the UK, they are... People are more used to like having foreign teachers teaching maths or geography. They are tolerant of others' accents more. So that is something that is really different from my point of view, uh, being from Rio and living in the UK. And the other way around is Brazilians, we are more straight to the point. The British beat around the bush a bit. Like uh, if somebody knocks on the door, people say, now, oh, can you get it? Oh, And in, in the UK, you would say, are you sure? Wouldn't you mind? Is it okay if you don't mind? And he's, no, I'll get it. I'll get the door. Don't worry. And it's I think that we are 
I find that sometimes Brazilian people, I find it difficult sometimes the way that Brazilian people literally, they say literally what they think sometimes. And British people, we are, we think a lot of things, but we rarely say it, you know, and Brazilian people are much more like, no, I don't like it. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh really? Okay. Like, I, and it's yeah. not that they're being rude. It's that they're just saying that they don't like it, you know? And I think it's when I teach the, the word, the, the verb want and would like, I think this is exactly it. You know, Brazilians say, I want it, you know? And here we say, oh, I would like, you know, if you don't yes. mind, you know, and yeah. there is, there is no real difference. They're not being rude. It's just that we are, we are, we, we find it uncomfortable. I think British people, we are an uncomfortable uh, species, you know, that we, we find, we find this idea of, you know, making somebody have to do something for us. We have to try and ask in like a hundred different ways to try and make it sound that we're not asking. Well, Brazilian people, they're much more direct. And I think it's easier for me when I came here to understand people because they don't kind of beat around the bush. They are, they literally say, oh, I'm going to help you or I can't help you, you know? And I think that helps, but it's, it's definitely the sorry idea I think is, it, and you know, the other word, I think, please, Brazilian people don't say por favor as much as uh, we say please. Uh, and I found it rude, but it's actually yes. because the, the the please is kind of in your tone of voice. It's not yes. necessary to put the please at the end. Yes, like uh, when I ask people at the table uh, in Portuguese, I would say if they want to, if I want them to give me the sugar, I would say, me dá açúcar aí. That's my intonation. It's it's fine, but uh, now having lived in the UK, now I say, and I say I I transfer it to Portuguese and says, "Você se importaria de me passar o açúcar, por favor?" And then my father says, "My God, you're formal." <laughs> I'm sorry, is the Queen here? You know, like yeah. <laughs> but that's the difference that I find, and and that is kind of uh, showing in my Portuguese sometimes because of the way the British are, and I like that way, and I think that is one thing of knowing English enough to know, okay, this is correct grammatically, but that's how they speak, how they say it. Would you mind? Is it okay if you, would you be interested to like this kind of structure? And um, instead of saying, oh, I want that, which is correct, but you have to be careful because there is that kind of subtlety. Yeah, and that's more, the more contacts that you have, even if you don't live in the country, the more contact you have, with listening, I think this really helps and reading as well. I think that really helps people um, understand the subtleties, not just the, you know, the rules that we have in a textbook. Um, exactly. what, I have one more question, which was, what was it like studying in the UK compared to studying in Brazil? Because you've had both uh, experiences. You studied at a university in, in the UK and you studied at universities in Brazil. Was there a radical difference? Yes, because, um, well, um, I graduated in 2005 in Brazil and I joined the university in 2019 in the UK. So it was like a 14, 15 year gap. So um, and it was difficult first because um, I didn't know the I didn't know much about academic writing, although I trained students to the, do the IELTS exam It's a, a different kind of system to that. And uh, I start comparing because my research was both in Portuguese and in English. So I was kind of trying to find, to learn how to write in ac academic writing in English, but I was reading academic writing, uh, reading or uh, text in Portuguese. 
and it's a very different um, um, style of writing. Uh-huh. Yes, and uh, again, my academic Portuguese is non-existent because I wasn't trained to to do so. And the grading system, because I don't know about other universities in the UK, but in the um, at the Southampton University, if you get a sixty out of a hundred, it is a very good grade, a very good mark. 60. And I was like, oh, 60. I got a six, 62. Oh, yes. Congratulations. You got 62. And I was like, oh, in Brazil, you have to get like 85, 90. So that was the difference. And uh, um, because I did a master's, not a, a, a degree, uh, first degree, it was more of independent learning. And uh, it was a, a very, very good experience. And I would recommend it's uh, very eye opening. I think as an English teacher studying, um, you know, linguistics like you did, I think that's, you know, something that's, you know, amazing skill to be able to bring to language learning, because um, I think that the area of, of, of linguistics in when you study uh, letters here in Brazil, that it's not nearly the same. Yeah, I have teachers that um, studied letters at university and they study with me because they say that there is so many areas that are not covered in this degree in Brazil that, that makes them uh, a better English teacher once they've studied it? Yes, it's um, when I chose which course to do, um, I just wanted the, the the broader one, which is applied linguistics, because then I could do a bit of TESO and then uh, phonetics, phonology, um, and uh, second language acquisition, which was brilliant. And that is when... It was a slap in the face because it kind of I had to change my beliefs a lot because all and lots of other students were foreigners as well. And I thought it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to learn how to or to you make a mistake, but then you accept students' mistakes as well because the language is evolving. And you st- I studied English as a lingua franca as well, which is great. And uh, that taught me a lot. And I tried to pass it on to my students because that's the real world. Yeah. The re- and even, you know, this, this idea of accepting that you're never going to be perfect, I think is, is the, the key to language learning, you know, and to not be so hard on yourself. I think that we are incredibly, you know, I think British people and Brazilian people, I think all human beings, we are naturally quite critical uh, creatures, you know, we we like to beat ourselves up, and I think that a lot of the time we have to understand that you know you're doing fine, you know you're going to make mistakes, and it's natural. But you know, keep going. The important thing is the important thing is to keep uh, keep moving uh, forwards, even if it is at a slow pace. Yes, and and again, everybody, if you're learning a second language, and you don't judge others if they are kind of. Uh, if you speak better than someone else, it's okay because you are at different stages of in your le- learning process. So it's okay. Just just mind your own business in terms of okay, you are learning. This is your way of speaking. Let your friends don't correct your friends if they didn't ask you for correction because that's what I see a lot from you know, among Brazilians. Like oh, look at their English. Oh, I'm going to correct them all the time. And I said, don't. yeah. If you understand what they're trying to say, that's fine. 
Yeah. And not to be, don't be critical of yourself and of others. Uh, and exactly. I think this idea of not comparing because Brazilians compare them. Oh, she, she speaks English. Amazing. And you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to speak like that ever. You know, we compare ourselves uh, uh, all the time, you know, in any aspect, but I think language learning is a very dangerous area to say she learned English in like a year you know, and I, I, I'm still on basic level, you know, and I think we we, we try to, we, students to try to focus on their own studies instead of trying to compare themselves to other people's experiences. And I compare this to learning how to drive. If people know how to drive, and if you go back in time and learn and think how you learned, it was a lot to take in, because especially if you're driving uh, a manual car, so you have hands on the wheel, eyes on the road, eyes, uh, look th look at the mirror and then shift gears and indicate and accelerate and then slow down. It's a lot to take in. Yes, go slowly and you'll get there. It's practice. Practice makes perfect. Not perfect in that case, but yeah, you'll get there. Practice keeps it keeps, keeps you moving. Uh, I think that's the yes. important thing. Yeah. So to finish, Claudia, I would like to my 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 followers probably uh, the people who are listening know of you because uh, I I'm a huge fan of you on social media. But I'd like you to tell people where they can find out more about you and uh, and you know the any anything that you've got um, course wise etc that they could be, might be interested in. Oh, I am a big fan of yours as well. Um, and I really like your work. Thanks for, for having me here. And people can find me on Instagram. I'm basically on Instagram um, at uh, Mrs. B English, which is MRSB, like in Mrs. And uh, B and English, Mrs. B English. And I've got uh, a few materials online. They are not courses. Um, and some, well, one is called Survival English, which I I planned and I created based on my students' difficulties once they were abroad. Like, oh, I know English, but I don't know how to behave at the doctors or go into the bank, opening a bank account, uh, renting a house and etc. And also one, which is just grammar um, called... Uh, Desafio set 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 because we did lives for seven days in a row at 7 p.m. And um, there are seven videos, basically grammar, different uh, uh, grammar points. And these are the materials I have, everything you can find on my Instagram. Okay, great. So make sure you guys that you follow Claudia because uh, you won't regret it. It's just so much great content. And and also to be able to have that immersion in, in the English culture without having to leave Brazil because Claudia shows everything. And I'm looking forward to seeing how your, your house has progressed when you get back to the UK. When are you returning? Do you know? Yes, the end of January, because that's the um, the time I found to go back because the price tickets were kind of uh, through the roof. Yeah, still unfinished. So I said, yeah, okay, I can stay a bit longer here, no problem. So if you don't know, if you go onto social media, you're going to be able to follow uh, Claudia's house's renovations as well, which she, it was exciting during the pandemic. She was even living in a caravan, which I found extraordinary. <laughs> you know, that's a real test We're of saying, a relationship. You know, that's love. Oh, if the, you know, yeah. people say you must love Antonio a lot to move to Brazil, but Claudia loves her husband a lot. To live in a, <laughs> to live in a caravan, I think yeah. it is an incredible experience. It was it was two and a half months in the caravan and my husband and I, we keep saying uh, house renovation pandemic edition. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. You did. You did two. One of the most traumatic things you can do in your life is a house renovation, and you did it at the same time as a global pandemic. So, yes. if you survived that, you can survive anything. <laughs> I believe so. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Cloud. It was really great to speak to you, and I hope that we get another opportunity soon to have another chat. You're very welcome, Rachel, and thanks again for having me. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more of my content, including details about my YouTube channel and other social media platforms on my website, talktorachel.com.br. Remember, whatever you might need, you can always talk to Rachel. See you next time, guys. Have a fabulous day.